everybody welcome to another edition of the anything but typical podcast so good to have katan patel joining us today and i'm going to be learning about as much about katan as you guys are as well because we found out about katan and his wife kathy from our amazing south african liz korskin so she would say in in afrikaans you guys are lekker, meaning really awesome, <laughs> really good. So lekker. Uh, so we're going to start this off with the question, Katan. You and Kathy are out. And actually, I think what we're going to do is the scenario is you are out visiting one of those 437 breweries in North Carolina to figure out which of those uh, tasty beverages you're going to throw onto your 27 taps next and somebody sees you walking through the front door and they start talking to you or about you and you don't realize that or they don't realize that they can that you can hear everything that they're saying about you so you know they're talking about you what would you want somebody to say about you um so thank you guys for having me first and foremost i'm really excited to be here and um you know, just going to your question, I mean, I, I actually experienced that uh, in, you know, about a couple of weeks ago, a couple of people I was walking behind on the sidewalk down Camden Road in South End. Uh, the girl taps the guy, is like, hey, there's there's Pop the Top. Um, I heard some really good, cool things, really great local brewery. Um, you know, they carry a lot of really lo local, you know, cool local breweries there, uh, really cool vibe. Um, and we should go check it out. And uh, And so, I mean, obviously they didn't know I was behind them, but that's kind of what we're going for. Basically like a, a coffee shop for beer drinkers, somewhere we can go relax, um, have good conversations. It's not loud. Um, you can watch sports if you want to, we do have TVs, but it's just some, somewhere you can kind of come really relaxed, kind of like a cheers environment. And, um, and that's really what we, that's our aim. Cool. Um, I'm assuming you don't have Norm that he hasn't come down from Boston. Is that accurate? that's accurate but we have our own norms <laughs> that, uh, that come in every day so they help to keep the lights on awesome for the listeners if you haven't figured this out yet we are talking about pop the top craft beer shop in south end of charlotte north carolina and katana is one of the owners and i want to start this conversation off with you to to really dive into what prompted you to start thinking about being a business owner in the first place. Yeah. So my, my parents actually, um, they owned their own business. They had a, um, they have a, they had a convenience store actually off of uh, Monroe road. Coincidentally, basically about a stone's throw from where our second location was going. Uh, it was called Monroe mini Mart, Um, and they, they had it for about 35, 40 years. So, I've always kind of been around uh, entrepreneurship. I helped my dad out for as long as I can remember. And I just kind of always had that, uh, that mentality of working hard and, you know, kind of owning your own business. Uh, I saw them do it every day and I've seen the, the benefits that they've had from it. So it was kind of, um, it was a, almost a natural progression for me to kind of want to get in that work as well. Mm -hmm. So before we launch into your entrepreneurial endeavor, you were at Bank of America in IT as a data manager. So uh, walk us through like the journey from 
working with your dad, seeing some of those entrepreneurial leanings in your yourself to corporate America and a big behemoth and like, you know, talk to us and walk us through that journey. Yeah. Um, well, I'll take it uh, just one step back before I was at Bank of America. I was at a international shipping company called Maersk. Uh, they do shipping and logistics. Uh, and so um, I worked for them for about seven years. Uh, and in that time, I actually had the opportunity to take a position in uh, the Netherlands, in Rotterdam. And so I was uh, doing uh, data management um, for implementing SAP, which is a global ledger system. And so while I was there, that was kind of where the, the spark kind of started to, um, you know, the flame was, was small, but I kind of saw where, where craft beer, not necessarily craft beer, but just, you know, breweries on every pub and every um, corner. Their culture was a lot different than what we had here in Charlotte, North Carolina, but this was probably around 2010. Um, and so, you know, I really kind of, you know, started to take a look into that and just really enjoying, you know, traveling around and seeing beer culture across seas. Um, and so when I came back uh, after about a year, I saw like this was kind of like the explosion of craft beer here in Charlotte. So you had Noda and Birdsong and uh, OMB and, uh, you know, those, uh, those staples. Um, and so having lived in Charlotte for about 40 years, um, I I wanted to be a part of something. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I, I really enjoyed the craft beer scene. Uh, we would go to those breweries uh, frequently. And so um, when I when we decided to make a change from Bank of America, fast forwarding that, um, I I really looked at the you know the the craft beer scene. I wasn't I wasn't uh, into the brewery like I like making the beer itself, but I wanted to be involved somehow. And so uh, looking at bottle shops and what they offered, um, having multiple, multiple breweries under one roof um, and, and experiencing that, I, I think that's the kind of path that we wanted to go down. So building off of that, first off, the self-awareness is phenomenal, right? Of knowing you, you have this passion in this area, but it's not in making the beer. It's being in that culture, in that community. So I think yeah. that self-awareness, first off, is, is unbelievable. Um Talk about your your timeline a little bit more of, okay, you're at Bank of America, you decide to make this change. How long does that planning process take? What are the, the things that you guys are talking about along the way as you're, you're envisioning what this company is going to be? Take us through that a little bit. Yeah, so, um, so I left Bank of America probably around 2015. Um, and I wanted to make sure, so my personality lends itself to like, if I'm going to take a big risk, which is to leave the comfort of a, you know, a nice paying job, dental, 401k, all that stuff, right? To come and, and do my own thing, I want to make sure that I do all the homework um, and everything has been thought through. So we put together the business plan for about a year and a half. Uh, and so we, I wanted to make sure that all of our calculations, the, um, you know, everything that we can do to make sure that in year three, this is where we should be. In year five, this is where we should be. What is our projected growth? What is our revenue stream? All that stuff. Um, wanted to make sure that all of that was hammered out. So it took about a, about a year, a year and a half. Um, we went through a lot of locations that we wanted, where we wanted to put it. Um, unfortunately, some of them didn't work out. Um, and so, but when I, the first location I even looked at, as soon as I quit my job, I came here to Camden Road to where we're at right now. I saw the patio and I fell in love and I was like, this is where we need to be. This is, this is the spot. And I see the I see the potential of South End, 
You have to remember, 2015, it wasn't as dense as it is now, but you can see where it's going. You can see the cranes and all the um, the buildings. So um, we finally landed on this location and, uh, you know, opened it up. And it's the rest is history, right? <laughs> right. So you found that location what year? And then I, I want to hear about what you did in that first year. And I also want to talk about how the pandemic hit you. Yeah. So, um, so what we did in the first year of uh, opening the doors, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the first year was always the toughest year. We, um, I mean, those are 80 hour weeks, um, you know, constantly being here, understanding that we were a new concept. We're a new company. Um, we don't have the recognition or the clientele. So a lot of that was really generated from, you know, word of mouth, growing that, uh, the, the type of environment that we wanted, and then hoping that people will go out and tell their friends and say, we should come back here. This is, this is where we should be, uh, for, you know, a, a relaxing evening. So you know, the first year was hard. There's a lot of, a lot of hours, but, uh, you know, as we got into about, I think year two, you know, we, we started kind of hitting a little bit of a groove and then we got to year three. And then year three is where typically um, for a business, you should be in the black, right? Which fortunately for us and all the planning that we did, we were actually in the black way before then. Um, so we were hitting a really good group. We, we are, so Kathy was like, you know, here we are in year one, year one, year two, and then year three, we're going up here. And then year three is when 2020 hit. And, uh, and that was, uh, that was obviously, I don't think any business owner, would have anticipated that i didn't put that in my business plan unfortunately <laughs> a global pandemic um, but you know one one saving grace and i'm all i tell all of our customers whenever they come in they're like that say that we're, they're so happy that we're still open i said I, we had the foresight to put a retail section in our shop and we registered our business as a retail and not as a bar uh and so having that retail gave us the opportunity to continue to stay open so we did not um we were not forced to close um, obviously with the guidelines that were in place, uh, retail were, were allowed to open. So that kept us afloat and, um, you know, that was a, a saving grace for us. We, we did lose a few employees. And so that forced me to have to come back in and, and go back into 80 hour weeks. Uh, and so that was a tough position to kind of go back into because, you know, you, you work really hard the first couple of years and you hope that you can kind of step back a little bit, but, you know, uh, can't plan for a global pandemic so um you know we we were able to kind of go through that and found some um another really good employee who stayed with us for an additional two years uh and uh you know we were able to you know charter the waters and come through unscathed and uh and you know we're, we're still here so that's i think a testament to for one the customers are we love our customers and, and they are, they were super supportive i mean they when they, when everything was shutting down, they would come in and make sure that, hey, we're going to purchase as much as we can, or we're going to you know, buy these gift cards so that hopefully when this opens back up, we can come back in and use it and, and whatnot. And so our customers were super supportive of us and, and we can't thank them enough. So, um, you know, and they, they tipped really well so that we can keep our employees employed uh, or the one employee that we had. And um, yeah, just kind of take it from there. I love the uh, the way the community rallied around, right? And we've we've seen a lot of that during COVID of 
the companies that treat their their customers or their clients well, those people rallied around those small businesses. And it's amazing to hear. Yeah, 100%. So you're getting to that kind of tipping point in year three where things should be taking off. Uh, how how do you then come out of it after, right? Because you're, things are ramping up. You're supposed to have that year three explosion that you were on pace to do. And then as people start going back out more, right, and things start loosening up in 2021, how do you then get everything back on track? What did that look like for you guys? I think we're still kind of still trying to deal with that. Um, We'll talk about it in two years and you can let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I mean, I mean, I it's 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 funny. So I think the biggest adjustment for us um, has been that we can't take data and uh, and um, trends that we had from the first three years and apply it to how we want to plan for the future. Right. So, um, you know, we have to take the last two years and sort of almost crumple it up and throw it away because um, things are things are constantly changing. And I, I don't know if we'll truly get back to where we were at 2019, probably until until what is this 2022, I would say probably until 2025. Uh, when things kind of start settling down, um, you know, the uh, global chain issues that we've had uh, are, are kind of maybe, you know, start to really level out. Um, things aren't as expensive as they are, maybe we'll come out of this recession, who knows. So it's, it, that, that's probably been our biggest challenge and trying to get back into that. But, you know, we just, uh, honestly, we've kind of taken the mantra of take it day by day. Yep. Um, as business owners, we kind of have a tendency to want to look into the future and kind of like really start, you know, be more uh, proactive. It's just been tough. And it's, it's, I think I, at some point we're just like, let's look at the, the month ahead, but let's, let's try not to focus so much on the, the next six months and the next year. Because we don't know what's going to come about, and right. um, and then I think that helps with our personal lives too. You know, just taking things day by day. Um, things will happen. Figure out a way to adjust to it, pivot, and uh, and then you know just kind of move on. You know, and not trying to dwell on the past. I love your attitude, just because um, you you come from a data background, which is really interesting. Because data, you you synthesize you analyze you have certain controls that you're you know charting the course when you're setting up sap systems and all that kind of stuff you have certain controls right yeah you you were very methodical about uh, a year and a half business plan and i i juxtaposed that with with uh remember one of our guests who wrote her business plan on a, a receipt ben <laughs> <laughs> From a five guys receipt. Uh, So, you know, that was really fun. But so, you know, you've got this kind of measured, calculated approach. And then all of a sudden you're you're executing your plan. It's growing great. You're way ahead of plan. Hey, this is good, Kathy. I told you we'd do it right. And then all of a sudden this global pandemic, you know, has kind of shifted and hit all of us upside the head. And we've had to adjust. Is it was it a natural thing for you to move into where you even said, hey, you know, we can't use the the prior to the pandemic data and extrapolate that now because we're in just a it's just different, right? Um, so how have you had to or maybe was this stuff innate in you already as far as 
oh yeah, well, I've always just been kind of a go with the flow kind of guy, which I don't know if that's you or not. But talk to us about the you know living in corporate America and your mindset then versus now as an entrepreneur and and an owner of a business employing people. Yeah, I mean, I think as a as a project manager, I mean, you so in my last year at Bank of America, I was managing about six projects that totaled about thirty million dollars, and so there's so many moving pieces, and um, you know, but I was able to successfully manage each one and complete each one and 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 whatnot. And so I think having that experience as being a project manager and 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 looking at different timelines and looking at different uh, scenarios and having to adjust on the fly that. I think those those experiences definitely helped me as we can't, you know, came into the pandemic and then sort of, you know, waning ourselves out of it. Um, you have to really have the the analytical thinking of how do we approach things in the best possible way? And, you know, what are what are the benefits and what are the, you know, the, the consequences of making the decisions that we need to make? Um, I think one thing that I that that came out of that was that. I started to look more, not not so much as trends, but like just variables that affect our business on a day-to-day basis. What I mean by that is, so yesterday was a super rainy day and it was cold. And so realizing that if the rest of the week is, is nice and sunny, our sales should go up because people were forced to stay inside yesterday. Looking at the weather patterns, looking at when people get paid, um, understanding when like, you know, with, with the pandemic, a lot of weddings that were supposed to be scheduled for 2020 were pushed to 2021, 2022, right? So the summer was a little bit slower for us because people were going out of town. The euro and the pound uh, were equal to the U.S. dollar. I've never seen that before, right? One to one. So people were going across seas. Um, we were so confined to our quarters that we that people were heading out of town, you know, like that from the last two years that this summer was the first, I think, I believe the first year where there weren't any restrictions, major restrictions. So taking into those things into account, we can kind of understand if we were having a slow month or whatnot, we're not freaking out and thinking that we're doing something wrong, that, that we've, um, that our business model is failing, but understanding why the, you know, the sales numbers are the way they are. And then trying to keep that in mind for next year. But then also understanding that if, this is what's happening during the summer, then this, this fall and winter should be a lot more profitable because those things that people were doing outdoors are no longer viable options. And that kind of forces now like all the, 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 the funnel starts to get smaller and smaller. And so people want to kind of stay in their bubble. They want to stay close to home, things like that. So these are just analytical things that I think about all the time and, and, and reasons for why things are the way they are and how it affects our business how we can adjust to it. So you're talking a lot of, of how you can analyze all of this, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm curious about is you said you're not looking years down the road of, okay, let's put this plan together because there are these uncontrollable, unimaginable type things that can pop up and completely derail you. Mm-hmm. What, if anything, are you doing inside the business to try to plan or prepare for some other curveball being thrown your way that you can't necessarily foresee. Is there anything that you've changed in that manner? We have, we have, so that's a great question. We, so, um, 
we started to actually really, so I think about in August, um, when, when, you know, the, and, and this is, I don't believe it's just our business, but I feel like most of the businesses within Charlotte had a, you know, a, definitely a slower tick during the summer and it, other, other business probably flourished, but I know ours weren't as busy as we previously were in the last like four years. So we really sat down, uh, Kathy and myself, and we, we took every single expense that we spent for that month. And we said, where can we make adjustments? Right. And where, where are these dollars going and how can we like reduce some of this so that we can be better prepared for, with our cash flow when it, if this kind of another major thing happens and can we sustain and keep ourselves afloat while we have this type of cash flow? Right. That makes sense. And so it's we weren't doing that a lot. I mean, I hate to say, but like a lot of times I know businesses, they're just, hey, I got money in the account. Let's spend it, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and and again, we, we knew, you know, kind of we had a good idea, but we weren't like just super focused. We made spreadsheets like, okay, this is where we're spending. This is our cash flow. If we can make this X amount this week, then we should be good for this week. And then we can, you know, take care of what other bills or if we can have a surplus, we can start to kind of, um, you know, put that into an account. And that can be like our safety net. So I think like what you were saying is, did we learn anything? And have we exercised any practices, best practices? Yes, that, that was definitely a best practice that we probably should have been doing from the beginning. Uh, sometimes it gets lost, you know, so many things going on. So I always tell people like, I'm just like the head janitor. I'm just trying to fix things half the time. And, you know, I mean? like a, you know, a runny toilet or, you know, a leak happening or something like whatever it is. So, um, but I think they did really did definitely open our eyes to like what, how much we're really spending and how, how we can definitely get better. It's interesting how many more businesses, and, and this came up on the, the BGW, we've got a weekly webinar that I've been on a few times with Gary that we were talking about this. Of people think about emergency savings, safety nets, things like that from a personal standpoint, but very rarely in the past have they thought about that from a business standpoint, right? It's money's in the account. There's always something to spend money on. So if it's in the account, it's going to get spent. And yeah. the amount of small businesses, especially that are now doing exactly what you just said. So the next time something comes up, whether it's a prolonged recession or a pandemic or anything else, now all of a sudden you have that safety net that you may, a lot of people would naturally do on the personal side because it's been drilled in their head since they were 13 years old, but nobody thinks yeah. about the business. Yeah. I mean, uh, we can't rely on PPP money next time or if, if there's a next time. Right. Just we had to kind of rely on that this is a lesson learned and that we've learned the lesson and then we're better prepared. Yeah. Yeah. We had in, in the, uh, a recent episode of the Anything But Typical podcast, um, we had a, a business owner, Helen Edwards, who went and lost 100% of her income in le less than 60 days, 100%, you know, on a 3 million run rate to nothing. And she said, uh, you know, basically, I'm not willing to wait for the government to come and bail me out and rescue me. Um, and I'm like, that's a really wise move. And you know, as a business owner, and you just said it, another round of PPP, you know, that saved a lot of businesses. Thank goodness for it. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. 
but there's no guarantees. We, we didn't know that I, that was going to be coming down the pike either, you know, and uh, in some cases it didn't come down fast enough for some clients and some, you know, so, um, you know, I, I love the thing that you just said about the kind of analyzing the why, the, the, the underlying cause versus just saying, oh, well, it's slow, it's summertime. That's, the, you know, drawing uh, an incomplete conclusion without di diving a little bit deeper as to what are the root causes. And I think some of your formal training has served you well in this. And if somebody's not been trained as a project manager in IT, like you were, what are the things that you would encourage somebody to do as they're wondering why, how to keep peeling back the onion a little bit deeper versus just taking it at face value as, to, oh, well, this is why things are up or things are down. Anything that you would share with somebody that's maybe not a, a data-driven process person like you? Um, well, it, it does. So I, that's a great question. I, I, I have a tendency to watch, like to, to want to be more informed. Um, so most days I'm, I'm watching some, like maybe half an hour, an hour of Bloomberg. Um, I, I just like to be informed. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's the, the things that are happening around us in, in our world. We should know what's going on. And, um, and, and I know that we, we get busy and we can't always be on, you know, on TV or on, on the social media to see what's going on. But if you're informed about, about what's around you, then you can you can gather more pieces of the puzzle to figure out what's happening. Um, and, uh, you know, and that, that applies not just to business, but I mean, honestly, with, with, with life uh, and, and relationships and things like that. So I, that was that would probably be my my main piece of advice is just just kind of in, we have a tendency as humans uh, we're we're not perfect we we have a tendency to be in our bubble and our bubble sometimes really occupy every second of our life and but you know I think maybe traveling across seas kind of forced me to kind of really get out of that bubble and understand that there's an entire world outside of you know where where we are here in Charlotte or in North Carolina right and. And, and, and it really did open my eyes to see how well-informed Europeans are in terms of what's going on, not just in their country, but the rest of the world. They're so interested in what's going on in the U.S. and our policies and, and, and politics and things like that, that, you know, it, 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 that opportunity, I think. I always look at things as opportunities. What, what can I learn from something, right? Everything that happens in our lives, is, is, there's a reason for it. And if we can look at it as an opportunity and, and what can we learn from it, we may not learn it immediately. We may think it's a burden or a crutch or whatever it is. I'm, uh, I, I, I want to say, what can I learn from it, right? And not just look at it as, 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 a, as a woe is me or I'm the victim or whatever it is. Like, just what can I get out of this? Because everything's a learning opportunity. So I'm going to go out of chronological order here for a second because of something you just said of the learning opportunity. But I'm going to go back to your parents having a business and you being mm -hmm. in helping, what were some of the things the, that you learned from being around them running a business for 35, 40 years, right? And you growing up around it. What were some of the things that looking back, you learned being in that with them? Uh, I would probably say the, the my main thing was work ethic um, and just, just working hard, working hard. Nobody else is going to do it for you. If you want something done, you got to do it yourself. Um, 
And I think organization, my, my mom and my dad, I, I have a slight case. I've, I've self-diagnosed myself. Don't worry. I stayed at a Holiday Inn um, of OCD. <laughs> and, and just, you know, just having how, you know, going in and, and dusting and cleaning and just wanting to have an organized, clean place, you know, uh, that they made me do every time I came to the, sh- to the store. That's really helped, I feel like, with how we do things here. And, you know, just um, and keeping things organized, keeping it clean. Um, I don't know if I know when I go to somewhere that's disorganized, I get like I don't feel comfortable. I feel like I'm like on edge, you know, and mm-hmm. and it just doesn't have that that feeling that I just want to kind of hang out there. So I think those are the main things, you know. Just again, work ethic is number one. And I see how it works, and and I'm like, if they can do it, I know I can do it. So then, on the flip side of that. Now that you're a leader and an owner of a business, how as a leader do you make sure that that's happening inside the company? Not just you doing the organizing and working hard and things like that, but how do you then pass that on or instill that into the, the culture and the employees? So that uh, it's it's kind of tough because sometimes it comes across as just always like, you know, nagging. Right. Um, but, you know, it, I, I tried. To, so I tried whatever... Uh, things that I ask them to do, and if I have to repeat myself, I always try to make sure that there's a reason I, I provide them. Like, so this is the reason I want the labels to face this way. This is the reason that I want these six, four packs to uh, the little prongs that you can take the little on the plastic prongs. You face it this way. The price should be here. And I explain to them if you if it saves time. And there's a there's a time savings, and people appreciate that. I know I appreciate it. Uh, I want to know what I'm looking at. I want to know how much it costs, and I want to be able to pick it out immediately. And if that saves them a few minutes, then that's a few minutes they can have back with their family or friends or whatever it is. So, or whatever I'm asking them to do, I say, I tell them there's a reason for everything that I do. And, and I will tell you that reason. Now you don't have necessarily have to agree with it, but it's, it's, I, I feel like this, these reasons are the, the reasons that make us successful and it, it will keep this place afloat and, uh, and successful for as however long that we're going to be open. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, also, I'm I'm really happy, side note, of how I was able to go back 30 years and then back here in a matter of two <laughs> questions. All right. So that's that's one of the better navigationals that's happened here. Um, right. so in your logo is a black lab. Talk to us about the significance of, first off, the black lab, but then also why did you, uh, what's the reason behind putting the black lab in the logo? Yeah, so that, uh, so that black lab was, uh, his name was Louie. Um, he was, when I, um, first got engaged with my wife, Kathy, uh, we got him as a puppy. And so, you know, through our engagement and, you know, um, and getting married and he lived her for about 10 years. Um, and so we really loved him as a, as a dog. Uh, unfortunately he did gain, um, you know, he got uh, lung cancer and so we had to put him down, but the time that he, he had, you know, around that 10 year age, we were putting together the business plan for this, uh, for this business. And so I, I wanted to kind of have something where I, where I looked at it. I was like, well, he was in our first chapter of our lives and we got married. And so this business, I feel like is like that second chapter. And in the book, you never really forget the characters that, that you are introduced, you know, from chapter one to chapter two throughout the rest of the book. So I wanted to make sure that he was remembered throughout the story of our lives. Right. And, uh, and, you know, Again, we're we're also big big dog lovers, um, but I feel like 
Louis was a very significant, it was that constant steady um, force. Uh, and, you know, when you're ups and your downs, dogs have a tendency to do that. They don't know that they do it. <laughs> but, um, but we wanted to make sure that we recognized him and that he was part of our story. And people knew that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the lessons learned from a pet. It's, it's interesting, right? Of how much they can teach you. So, mm-hmm. so people are walking under, under that logo. They're coming into the store, paint the picture a little bit more descriptively for people who haven't been there. What's the experience like walking into, uh, into the shop? Uh, so the experience is, you know, you have a retail area. Um, we've got, uh, we've got a lot more tables over there. Um, it's clean, very clean, very organized. Um, you come in and we've got a nice green color. Uh, I like to call it public green, but I'm not allowed to say that. I think it's tra- trademarked. So we'll call it poly green. And, uh, <laughs> and, oh, and it's, uh, and then we've got like, you know, nice gray walls. So it's a, it's a clean, modern, um, you know, sort of also industrial kind of feel, but uh, we've got, we've got games, um, lots of t-shirts, uh, plenty of options for people. It's just uh, it's just a nice place that is not like uh, your typical bar where you're standing five deep and you're waiting on a beer. You can't talk to a bartender. You really, you know, this this is more of a almost an intimate sort of uh, boutique experience. Yeah, and 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 they're when they're coming in here. Gary had mentioned earlier the 437. I think you guys said uh, breweries in North Carolina, and that's just North Carolina, right? So right. how how do you guys whittle it down? to to decide what's going to be the 24 that you have on tap and what's going to be available for people to buy in retail because you're you're the funnel essentially right bringing it down to that how do you go through that process well so over the years we've really um you know we've really looked at what sells the best um which breweries really produce the most consistent types of beers uh and so you know the, the the breweries that are consistent that um that have like they make really good hazy IPAs like Burial, New Anthem, things like that. We really kind of make sure that those are staples um, because they always produce something new every week. Um, but then like, you know, hearing other breweries that um, are exciting to customers, making smoothie sours or really good um, big stouts that have a bunch of stuff in it. Um, those are kind of the things that if it, our customers that are, especially our regulars, if they come in on a regular basis and they, they, they like the beers that we bring in. We have a tendency to more to kind of continue bringing those in. Um, we, we really do try to support most of the local guys here. Uh, you know, and again, there's 30 in Charlotte. Uh, and we try to keep at least 25 of them. Um, and, and we rotate. So there's never really one staple that's always in here. We're just constantly rotating. And that gives other opportunities for other breweries that we find out about. Um, local locally regionally and nationally and so that that kind of gives us a, a good ability to kind of support as many as we can we want it, we would love to support everybody physically is not it's not possible right. yeah the whole place would be filled with with different cans and, and bottles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and i would have to drink all of it so like you know i, I you just i would never be able to leave <laughs> um you two, you and Kathy run uh, this together. Talk about the dynamic with between you two of how you're sharing roles and responsibilities, the communication. What does that look like for you two? So um, for the most part, I would say I'm more on the operational side. Um, I'm, I'm more the face. I'm here on the daily basis. 
Uh, Kathy really is focused on the back end part, uh, the bookkeeping, the, um, you know, uh, signing new employees up, um, all of the financing part of it. She's really on the back end. She comes in every now and again, but we do have a daughter and uh, she does have a full-time job as well. And so there's a lot that keep, you know, on her plate to keep her busy. So my main focus is, you know, making sure that anything that needs to be done here, stocking, inventory, um, and social media, uh, I, I'm in charge of all, all that stuff that uh, keeps our business running. No, that makes sense. Oh, sorry, go Gary. I'm just curious. Do you guys also do kombucha? We do. We do. We have um, we have Updog Kombucha, uh, which is all female owned company. We're really proud of those ladies. Um, Olivia is uh, is one of the girls that uh, I think she lives in Oakhurst as well, and um, they came from Wake Forest, and so we love supporting them. And then we also have Lenny Boy. Um, they're they're literally right up the street, so we have yeah. these guys as well. So. Yeah, again, local. We're we're just big fans of local small businesses. We all keep each other afloat, so just keep keep that you know keep that party going. You know, it's funny because um, until Liz mentioned you guys, I mean, you guys are kind of neighbors of ours at BGW. We're at sixteen sixteen Camden above Leroy Fox, so we got the fifth oh. floor <laughs> of that, and we also have that variation of the public's green in, in some of our space too so it's funny we've got our own bgw green though it's not public screen but it's pretty close that's right, that's <laughs> so, right. Uh, it's, it's good, funny it's because common color you know yeah it is uh, and it's th that whole south end vibe is great but i remember during the the pandemic i was buying cases of uh lenny boy's kombucha Cause I just wanted to keep them alive, you know, quite frankly. And I like kombucha. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, that's good to know that you got that. Cause I'll just walk down to your place instead of uh, uh, Lincoln's haberdashery to get kombucha. So there you go. We're, we're, we're a lot closer walk unless you want the steps that day. I don't know. Yeah, no. Don't yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just uh, go lighter on my steps that day. That sounds great. Right. Uh, you know, isn't it interesting to, Ben, we had um, the Hello Sailor owners, and you guys have just switched. So uh, in that case, Joe was the back of the house because he's a chef with Hello Sailor, and Katie was the front of the house. You guys have switched. You're front of the house. She's back of the house. Yeah. It, which is, I, I just think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the dynamic of you two being able to run it together and Kathy being in it, but then also being out also um how how has the decision to be a business owner affected your guys's lives uh outside of outside of work i mean um it's it, it's a little bit tougher i mean like when we go and we're we want to relax it's it's tough not to look at our phones and see how much we're doing that day or or talk about the business or uh talk about planning for the next week and you know things like that so we try to be mindful. We do have a daughter and, um, and we want to make sure that, you know, we're, our, our time is effective with when we're with her. Uh, and so it's it, compared to like, you know, coming into an office and working Monday through Friday, where you can have Saturday and Sunday, kind of like your off days. Uh, there are no off days as a, as a business owner. Right. And you guys know that. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like uh, one of those things. And I talk to other 
other business owners and, and the fact that you had to kind of be on all the time. It, it can be, it can be tough. It can, sometimes it can be exhausting. I'm not going to lie. Um, but for me, it's, it, I can't imagine going back to something where I wasn't as passionate about it. Uh, and, uh, where I just felt like there was better uses of my time and, and, you know, where my ideas, where I, my ideas come from, you know, from an, you know, just a sprout and then, and then actually seeing it live and seeing it like, you know, um, carry through. Those are just things I just really didn't see a lot when I was in corporate America for, was it 14 years? So yeah, those are the big changes. Yeah. And how old your daughter? Uh, 10. Okay. Yeah. So I've got a daughter that's almost seven and she's got a cousin that's five and my sister owns a business too. And they were playing the other day, but their play was a staff meeting. They were planning out what the next, what the their plan was going to be. <laughs> it's just funny. The example <laughs> for our kids, right. Of that's, that's normal because they see those interactions, right. Just like your, your daughter sees the interaction between you and Kathy that you're right. that example for her at the same time. That's exactly right. That's funny though. <laughs> yeah, hearing that from the a staff um, meeting at Pop the Top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hopefully somebody um, bought lunch. You know, if it's a working meeting, you gotta have lunch, right? That's right. Yeah, they haven't learned that part yet. That they should be getting that's food while they're doing they'll they'll get there. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um so talk a little bit about uh, what your your growth plans are, right? You had already mentioned a little bit earlier of the the second location, but what does growth and expansion look like for you guys? Yeah, so um, we've we with this second location is going to be um, twice as big in terms of the inside and outside. We've talked about the possibility of a third location, but I think we want to kind of first kind of get into the second one, see how that um, see how that matures, and then. You know, whether that's a viable option, um, I think one big thing right now that we've kind of really run into is uh, employees and and having, um, you know, steady employees that are going to be um, willing to kind of grow with you as a company. Um, it's kind of gotten a little bit harder and it's not just us, but I think it's kind of uh, industry wide. Um, and so if that trend continues that way, then I, I think we kind of stay with the second location and see how the two um, are able to be run um, conjointly. And then kind of taking it from there. So it's honestly, that's going to be more of like just a year to year to year. Um, but I don't think we've ever had plans to like franchise or, or, or anything like that. Uh, my parents had two locations. They eventually sold one. I think it kind of became too much for them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I see how much of a toll that took on them. So I, I'm always kind of like in, in the back of my mind, just keeping that in my mind and, and just making sure that we don't, run into those same sort of, uh, issues or, you know, tolls that, that can happen. Right. Because go for I'm, it. Yeah, I'm curious, you mentioned kind of the bane of every business owner's existence right now, which is employees, talent, finding the right talent, retaining the right talent, keeping them motivated or whatever, like, you know, talk to us about things that you've seen, what you've, seen work what you've seen not work so well like because i think everybody's trying to figure that one out and you know any lessons learned as part of this leg of the journey i think would be really helpful to anybody listening yeah i i, I wish i had a 
the answer I'm about to say, but it's it's really just um, I I don't know what really motivates people at this point. Um, I, I think I mean I, I feel like the things that we were offering as far as money and uh, and the availability, things like that, it, it wasn't enough, and so. I'm not really sure if there's a magic, um, you know, formula or, or whatnot, but I can say that, um, you know, I, I'm doing the same things that I've done since when we opened, which is being honest, respectful to people and their time. And we just ask for the same thing in return. You know, if there's an interview, show up, you know, if, uh, if you're offered the job, show up. And, and then we just, I just seem to see that not only with ourselves, but other people that it just happens to be that trend. And um, I don't know, maybe it will change. Uh, maybe, you know, with uh, the climate that we're currently in, maybe it's just, uh, it, it's, it's something that maybe gets better uh, as we continue, you know, the rest of this year and then into 2023. Um, but, you know, just having the, you know, that, that mutual respect and, and, and I think going time back to what I was talking about before was it's I think a lot of people appreciate if you're told to do something and there's a reason behind it. I think that reasoning helps with retaining better quality candidates. So that's just not just busy work. Um, and I think that goes with any job, whether it's corporate America, service industry, you know, airlines, whatever it is. Right. If you if you're. If you understand why you're doing something, I think that it, it makes better sense. You may not always agree with it, but at least you know why. One thing that's that's interesting in, in that realm of trying to get employees and then also keep them to stay is Gen Z and younger millennials. Uh, I think the number is 17%, but they're willing to take about a 17% pay cut to work for companies that they believe in their mission, right? If, if companies are more socially conscious or, or have a, a bigger vision. So it's, it's just interesting, the trend of employees and what is most important to them compared to what was most important even 10 years ago to the vast majority of employees. So I think there's definitely a major shift in how companies are going to have to start uh, being able to prioritize what employees need, because that that landscape is is changing. Right. Yeah, no, 100%. What, what's been the best referral source or way to find talent that have been good, good employees for you? Um, I would say probably just fellow business owners that know somebody or have, uh, you know, friends that are looking for something. It's really just been more word of mouth. We've, we've used Indeed. We've used um, ZipRecruiter. We've used Craigslist. We've used our own social media uh, platforms to, to um, you know, put out the feelers for uh, employers or employees. Um, but really, it's been other fellow business owners that say, hey, I know somebody. They're looking for something. Uh, do you guys still have an open position? Uh, I'm, I'm really good friends with a, a buddy of mine. Um, he owns The Hobbyist. Uh, it's a coffee coffee shop, bottle shop in Noda, and uh, and so he's uh, he's referred a couple of people that have worked out. So um, this is really just kind of talking to other guys and and, and um, having that sort of like already somebody vetted before yeah. Yeah. you know um, that before they come to the table. So man, you, you that is a an excellent point. I'm really glad that you brought that up because Charlotte in particular, and this is my bias, but having lived in some other cities, 
and been back to Charlotte by design twice. So Charlotte is like a big, small town. You know, th there's a there's a network of like, and there's a connectedness that I don't know why. Maybe it's because so many people from the north that had gray skies and crappy weather and high taxes all the time. You know, when you know, like they're just happy. They see the sun. Woo, yeah, it's Charlotte. I don't know. But there is a willingness to do that. And that's that's actually a huge mission of ours with this podcast is to connect other business owners to each other. We're not asking for anything in return. We just want to connect good people to good people because you shorten the cycle time. And you you mentioned the vetting. It's like, oh, OK, somebody's met them. They've already kind of passed a screen. And it just shortens the cycle time and you can move a lot faster than trying to go through, uh, you know, the virtual yellow pages or whatever. That they don't really exist anymore, but, you know, Google searching or whatever. So I just think that's an important thing. And it seems to kind of fit back into kind of your ethos of being the cheers place. That's It's about relationships, right? Yeah. 100%. 100%. And uh, just to kind of to add to that, uh, what I, and I, I love the, the mission that you guys have for this podcast, um, which is to kind of bring those entrepreneurs together. Because I, I, I mentioned this one time in a in a uh, South End small business owners meeting, and I don't know how seriously it was taken, but I, I told him I said, uh, "So my buddy, his name is Bryson, that owns the hobbyist, and I met him during uh, basically in March of 2020." So. Wow. Uh, the week before we all shut down, I met him. We got, we exchanged numbers and things like that. There was a, a bottle share here and, you know, those always are, are a great time, but um, I, I couldn't have imagined having gone through the last two years without having known him. Uh, I think I leaned on him as, as much as anybody could have leaned on somebody because we share the same struggles. We share the same, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say pain, but like just we just we shared a lot of experiences. And I think that it's hard for us to talk to our regular friends who are not in the same boat or who don't experience the same things on a on a week to week, month to month basis. I mean, I text the guy Bryson probably at least five or six times a day. And we still do. And I and, and so in that meeting, I, I was telling people we need to like not just in these meetings come together, but like find somebody who has sort of, sort of that same similar concept that yourself that you have as yourself um, so that you can kind of bounce things off of each other because you know we what you're experiencing is not you're not experiencing it alone and for our mental health uh, I, I know for the last two years mentally for business owners we've taken a big hit <laughs> and and I'm hoping that uh, more people did not but I, I just have a feeling that they did and so mentally and, you know, uh, emotionally and spiritually, all those things kind of took a big hit over these last two years. And it was just really important for us to have somebody that we can kind of on and so we can kind of just talk to. And we're not trying to solve each other's problems, but at least we have somebody that we can talk to that can relate. And it's, it's very tough to relate to people that are not in it in the same manner that we are. Right. Yep. Business ownership is lonely. It and if you don't make those types of connections and keep those relationships, you end up being in the foxhole by yourself. 
uh, and or maybe with a partner. But either way, you're not surrounded by support or people to bounce ideas off of or people that also are going through the same things as you. So there's camaraderie. So, yeah, you bring up a really good point of that loneliness of business ownership has a, a negative effect on on mental health if people don't do exactly what you did. Yeah, it does. I mean, and we don't talk about mental health a lot. I think as a society, I think we're getting better at it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think for the longest time, it was a, sort of a taboo uh, or it was just a sign of weakness. But I don't I think we're kind of getting past that part of it. Uh, and so mentally, you know, that, that mental health problem uh, part, portion of it is, is, is key. You know, like you said, as, especially as business owners. Um, <laughs> and it's not to discount other people's jobs. And I hope that's not coming across that way. Um, yeah. I just feel like we're just in a different realm. Yep. For our own. For that's, our own it's just there. different. It, it, like you said, it's not better. It's just different. Um, yeah. You know, there are pressures inside the terrarium at Bank of America, you know, <laughs> and it's like, uh, who, who are you reporting to today? <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean that, right. But that's, that's different than, um, you know, how are we going to make payroll with this latest curveball? or dang, you know, I am burning out cause I can't, I'm, I'm working all of these functions within the, uh, the, the business because I can't find somebody to take it, you know, like how, how do I, how am I dealing with that? Right. Those are, right. those are pressures that you don't feel within corporate America. And again, it's not better or worse than it's just different. And, and I think that's the thing that, that we're really, really trying to do. And that I'm super passionate about is again, tightening the weave relationally, you know, we're not all looking for our, our you know, 10 more best friends, but we are looking for connections that we can help shorten the cycle time on, hey, I'm looking for this or that, or I want to help somebody because I wish I could hire you, but I don't have any room. Let me connect you to somebody that might. Like right. that, That's a huge blessing to be able to do that for somebody and with no strings. And it just, again, it, it strengthens the fabric of our community and, you know, I, I heard Hugh McCall say many times when I worked for him, uh, or, you know, I was a couple layers down, but um, I heard him say personally, many times I want Charlotte to be a world-class city. That's a great place to raise a family and grow a business. That was his passion. Well, we don't have the big corporate titans that get together and make phone calls to one another anymore, like, like we did with McCall and those guys. So it's like, it, I think it's up to us now to do that, you know, yep. to, to, to strengthen the weave, to make Charlotte a great place to raise a family and grow a business. It's a huge passion of ours. So. Yeah. I agree. And if you see how many people are moving to Charlotte every day, I mean, what is the number? Is it 118? I think people and new people every day. Yeah. Something. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's always, <laughs> it's always the top like three or four, cities grow fastest growing cities in the country no matter when you look it's always one of the highest ones right that means we're doing something right here yeah yep <laughs> now we just got to keep it up that's so. right well i'm really glad we we hit on that point there at the end too right the mental health and and those types of things of business ownership as well because 
even on this podcast, it hasn't come up nearly enough. So appreciate you bringing that up. Before we wrap this up, is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with? Any any final thoughts or, or anything there? Um, probably the last thing is just, um, so I mentioned before, like I think probably at the beginning, so my parents had that store on Monroe Road. It's basically close to Monroe Road in Wendover um, 35 years ago. And so I just feel like this is kind of like full circle um, coming back and coming back into the neighborhood. And uh, I feel like uh, we're, we're supremely excited to be in the Oakhurst, uh, Echo Hills, uh, Monroe Corridor, because I think it is an underserved part of Charlotte for whatever reason. Um, I feel like, you know, Plaza Midwood, Noda, South End, all these places have gotten to be, you know, developers all want to come there. I hope that, you know, with us coming in there and then all the um, all the other development, I, I want, really, really want to see this area just become as popular as the other places. And, uh, and, and, you know, like I said, coming full circle, my, my daughter goes to Cotswold elementary and she's going to be going to Randolph next year. So it's just something that, you know, the community, I think, you know, I've already started to see with Liz and yourself, you, you know, you guys, um, the support. And, and when it was announced that our second location was getting ready to open or we, we signed a lease for it, it was, the response has been amazing. And so we can't wait to open up and, and uh, you know, just kind of put our little stamp on that part of uh, Charlotte and that, and that community and, and help that grow um, to what I think it could become. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Congrats on everything you've already done. Listeners, be sure to check them out at popthetopclt.com and on social media, it's popthetopclt as well. So be sure to, to follow them and connect with them and then uh, go down and grab a beer. Or kombucha. Or kombucha. Or kombucha. <laughs> All right. Thanks. This has been great. Thank you. All right. We appreciate it, guys.